This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. You're listening to Live and Learn with me, Dashran Johan. Dari Dapo is a series by Untitled Company in partnership with the Fort and Refuge for the Refugees and is focused on bridging the gap between migrants and Malaysians through food. The premise is simple. In each episode, influencers, activists and politicians will share a home-cooked meal with a migrant or a refugee. So joining me on the show today is Hamid, a Pakistani home cook and a refugee who has been living in Malaysia since 2016. Also joining me on the show today is Heidi Kwa. She's the founder of Refuge for the Refugees and they are involved in the Dari Dapo series. Heidi, Hamid, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, before we talk about the Dari Dapo series, I want to talk to you uh, about you, Hamid. Um, perhaps you can start by telling me a little bit about yourself. When did you leave Pakistan and why? Well, uh, I came back in 2016. I came from uh, Pakistan to Malaysia as a refugee, as an actually as an asylum seeker, and. Uh, because we had some uh, serious religious persecutions over there and we had to flee we belong to a religious sect that uh, we basically have to have to most of the times we have to live in hiding right so once people find out that they are from this sect they start giving you troubles so there was a mob building uh, building against us we actually before that we had to keep relocating move from place places to places so once somebody finds out that they are because we not we cannot openly uh, practice right our religion so if we do and somebody will see us or find out then they give us so uh, after so many times uh, changing places uh, finally in 2016 what uh, caused me leaving here is that uh, there was a mob building against us and we had uh, Uh, got a tip that they're going to come and hurt us so that's right. when we decided that this is not a place for us what what happens once you decide something like that and how challenging uh, you know of, of a circumstance it, it it must be for you to come to that decision right so talk to me a little bit more about that you you're going to, uh, going from place to place like you said you have to move within pakistan um, because you all are facing persecution and then y'all decide okay no more I, I cannot stand this anymore. I have to move. Oh, how difficult of a decision is that to make? It was extremely difficult because uh, I got married in back in 2010. Hmm. And it took me, I was still in process of building my house, my home. It took me six years to buy a lot of stuff like furniture and appliances and all that. And all of a sudden I had to leave everything. I had to try to liquidate stuff. and in so little time i couldn't there was not enough money saved up it was quite challenging good thing is that i had some friends here in malaysia and they were supporting me constantly i was consulting with them uh, and they they assured me that they will help me so that 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 was a little help we had but it was a difficult very difficult situation right I had a little bit money saved up. Mm-hmm. It was not much when you convert the Pakistani rupees to Malaysia, uh, Malaysian ringgit. It was not a lot, but it helped me to get uh, a house uh, on rent and some appliances and all that and then I'm done. So started looking for a job and there is no job that I can do legally here. 
I could right. find some labor work, but I had uh, call center experience for more than six years. Couldn't get a job because for that you need to have a legal status. So it was very challenging and uh, very hard in the beginning, very hard. We had to live uh, worse than hand to mouth, but right. we survived. Right. Heidi, um, you know, uh, Hamid brought up something uh, important, which is that, you know, refugees, once they come here, they want to contribute, yeah. um, but it's difficult to get a job because it, you cannot get legal jobs in Malaysia. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit more about that and, and some of the other realities uh, refugees yeah. in Malaysia go through. Yeah. Because Malaysia is not a signatory of the Refugee Convention Protocol, refugees in Malaysia basically have no um, access to basic human rights. This means jobs, education, uh, healthcare, and a lot of times when refugees come to Malaysia, they they live in limbo, you know, from anywhere between 10 to 15 years. In fact, sometimes for their entire lifetime, if they get lucky, they get resettled. But globally, only 0.01% of all refugees ever get resettled, right? So a lot of times it's living for their entire lifetime here in Malaysia in fear of uh, being arrested and detained, um, not having access to legal jobs. And this means, you know, um, not being able to earn a formal pay, right? Um, not knowing when your next salary is coming in, not not being able to send your children to school, not having access uh, to healthcare, um, and always a constant fear of falling sick. Um, it is quite stressful. A lot of times, you know, when we think, you, when, when refugees come over, you know, to Malaysia having flat persecution, um, we often tell people that living in Malaysia it is a form of persecution as well, right? Because you live in constant fear and that can be very challenging having to endure that throughout your lifetime. Right. Um, you brought up resettlement. For those who may not understand this, what does that mean within this context? Are you saying that when refugees come to Malaysia, ultimately their goal is to move to another country? I would say that, yeah, I wouldn't say their goal... I would say their goal is actually to seek safety first right. and foremost, right? And it is a bonus if they get to move to another country only because countries like the US, Australia actually recognises refugees and gives them access to citizenship where they can then work formally, they can then send their children to school um, and have access to healthcare, basic human rights. Right. Yeah. What would you say are some of the misconceptions uh, Malaysians have about refugees? I think the number one misconception that I often hear is that refugees live on taxpayers' money, mm. which they go like, yeah, you know, refugees are here, they're living off taxpayers' money, and that is far from the truth, right? Refugees do not get a single cent from UNHCR or the government at all. They are actually here working in formal jobs um, in hopes to support themselves. Malaysians often think that refugees are given free housing here or free education, which is not true. Um, another misconception that I always hear is that refugees are here um, for better economic opportunities, which is also not true. Refugees had to flee the country due to persecution and war. It's really life or death, mm -hmm. right? You don't choose to leave home just because. Right. Um, and so a lot of times people think that refugees are here to steal the jobs of Malaysians, um, which to be fair, I mean, the jobs that refugees even end up doing are jobs that Malaysians might not be the most interested in. So right. these are some of the two most common misconceptions that I hear about. A lot of times that all of this instill, instills fear, um, you know, and fear mongering happens, causing people to be xenophobic towards refugees. Yeah. yeah. Um, Hamid, you've been in Malaysia for about uh, six, seven years now. Um, what has the experience um, been like for you? We lack few uh, basic human rights. Mm -hmm. Like my daughters, they cannot go to school. 
I have two daughters and uh, they cannot go to school because uh, public schools they're not allowed to and private schooling is very expensive, right? I cannot afford straight up. Right. So, uh, and if there is uh, uh, some NGO uh, supported or NGO um, um, sponsored school, it's quite far and I cannot afford to just uh, pay for the transportation. Uh, health, if you talk about it, then we have, if we get into something major problem, then uh, good thing is that Malaysian government does provide. That is one thing that we have uh, very positive, that they provide uh, 50% discount, but that is not enough because uh, we have people who get who die here untreated because the treatment is too expensive. Somebody with cancer or uh, uh, hepatitis, the bills come up to hundreds and thousands of ringgit, and uh, this simply refuse to treat them because they know even 50% they cannot pay. So those are basic human rights, uh, uh, education and health, that we don't get it here. Otherwise, this is a loving country. I mm. love it here, the environment, the atmosphere, uh, of course, the people. I, I like Malay people. I ha actually have a, a few friends, uh, Indians also, Chinese, of course. And uh, <laughs> it, it's a mixed culture and they're loving people. Uh, there is a bit of misconception, as uh, Ms. Heidi spoke about. And if that is cleared and if there is government can help us, uh, our goal is not to resettle or economic. We want some basic human rights. If we could get to live here, I wouldn't like to move right. anywhere. Right, yeah. absolutely. Um, Heidi, just now you brought up xenophobia. Yeah. Um, it's good that, you know, um, apart from a lot of the, the main problems, you know, the institutional problems, policy mm -hmm. problems, uh, for Hamid, he says that the people have been great, yeah. right? But that necess doesn't necessarily reflect you know, the, the the experiences of every single refugee in Malaysia, yeah. as you you know, um, you know, a lot of them face xenophobia. Um, in fact, even you, when you put up um, posts on Facebook and all, yeah. you get a lot of hatred yeah. um, for helping refugees, for working yeah. together with refugees. Talk to me a little bit more about the kind of uh, xenophobic uh, mindset of Malaysians. How far-reaching is it? Um, is it the majority of Malaysians who feel this way or is it just a, a, you know, a very vocal minority? Yeah, I actually think that it used to be more of a minority pre-pandemic, but there was a lot of fear-mongering that was happening over the pandemic, you know, mm. where um, you know, it was alluded that refugees are people that spread COVID, right, due to their living conditions, um, you know, and, and issues about detention centres came up. You know, there's a lot of fear-mongering about refugees, you know, where uh, the, the government immigration went out arresting refugees in, in hundreds, you know, and chaining them together like animals and putting them into detention centres. Um, and, and because of that fear-mongering, I think xenophobia has gotten worse over the pandemic. Malaysians are still extremely kind. I mean, we have seen how incredibly kind and generous Malaysians are over the pandemic. Right. And how resourceful Malaysians are actually coming together in a whole Kita Jaga Kita movement, caring for Malaysians, refugees and migrants, one and the same, right? But I would say that there is a bit more 
because of the fear mongering, there's there's a bit more xenophobic sentiments towards refugees at the moment. Only because it is um, media can sometimes portray refugees as people who are unsafe, people right. who are out on the loose, um, when in fact they're just people um, like you and I, you know, hoping to get by each and every day. Um, and where they can, uh, they really do not want to rely for on help. Actually, as as Hamid has has repeated um, quite a number of times, they want to be able to support themselves um, and get through uh, being able to work formal jobs. Um, uh, it doesn't need to be high-paying, white-collar jobs, but they want to be able to be able to work formal jobs where they can support their families by. You know, one of the interesting things is uh, about you, Hamid, is that you are a home cook. Um, and, you know, just talking off air uh, to you as well, before we started recording, you really love cooking. Um, where did that passion come from? Uh, uh, first of all, it happened back in 2000 when my uh, mom passed away. Mm. My uh, father was actually a pretty good cook because he uh, lived about 18 years as a bachelor, uh, <laughs> working and cooking, cooking for himself, uh, far away from his family, uh, working in Saudi Arabia. And uh, I learned something from him when mom passed away, so I started helping him. It was the first birthday of my first daughter that I invited about uh, my family members, some uh, relatives, about 50 people. And I cooked this uh, dish called chicken korma. That is my signature dish. Right. I cooked it for them and they all just loved it. So I knew that this is something in me that I can do. It is a passion now that I I cook Italian. I cook Pakistani food. Wow. (laughs) I cook uh, American food also, like uh, burgers and steaks and all that. So it's a passion in me that when I see a dish, I need to know what it is, what's Mm -hmm. inside, and I can. Like in Malaysia, I learned how to to make that sambal. Oh, wow, right. it nice. Takes, it takes a, it, the, the whole process is about five to six hours long. Not many Malaysians it. can make Yeah, sambal. I don't know how to make it. I don't know how to make sambal. <laughs> I, I, learned, I learned it from a, uh, by working in a restaurant. Right. And uh, yeah, so. I'm passionate about That is absolutely fantastic. I can't wait to taste your food one day, Hamid. (laughs) Hamid, like as I understand, you also cook for your community um, now here when you're here in Malaysia. Can you tell me a little bit more about how that came about? Yeah, what happens is that our community is like a a closed circle. We Mm. help, we are about 6,000 people here, refugees. Right. And uh, we have a a closed and very organized system. In that system, we have different uh, uh, bodies, you can say, bodies uh, according to age and gender, right? So there what happens is that every single thing that we're going to do for our community, that has to be volunteered. If Mm. there is some, uh, uh, let's say there is a program going on, there is a media team, there is a cooking team, there is a stage organization team and all that. So, my passion is cooking, so I was cooking. I was in the cooking. I, I've been in the cooking team, and I, you can say I teach a lot to our team, and at the same time, I'm learning from these people as well, and uh, they're helping. We are helping, they're helping, and with each other's help, we grow. Like recently, we had our annual program, mm-hmm. and uh, I was cooking every day for about 3,000 people. Wow. 3,000? Wow. <laughs> 
how how many people do you have like helping you? Three thousand is is huge. Yeah, we had a team of about uh, at a time we had a team of about twenty people. Right. So you set you set the recipes. Yeah. You you say like okay, we are gonna Man. make this today, and then everybody yeah, goes. Wow. There is a, there is I a whole committee. I can't even cook for thirty people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> three thousand. I mean, yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, just the community they right. they empower us to do that, yeah. and this is uh, one of the uh, in in our language or barakat we right. say that we have uh, a blessing of right. of belonging to a, a community. That helps. That right. cares. That's absolutely yeah. lovely. On the show with me today is Tamin, a Pakistani home cook and a refugee who has been living in Malaysia, and Heidi Kwa, founder of Refuge for the Refugees. After the break, we discuss the Dari Dapo series. Keep it here on Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Live and Learn. I'm Dashran Johan. And on the show with me today is Hamid, a Pakistani home cook and a refugee who has been living in Malaysia, as well as Heidi Kwa, founder of Refuge for the Refugees. And we're talking about a series by Untitled Company, that's the actual name of the company, in partnership with the Fort and Refuge for the Refugees. And this series is called Dari Dapo. So, speaking of things that you are engaged in, right? Another thing you uh, started doing uh, during the pandemic is that you set up online learning classes um, for people in your community. So it's not only your cooking; you're also setting up online classes. Tell me about this. These online classes. How did it come about? <laughs> yeah, uh, back in uh, December 2020, when the pandemic just started, and uh, there was a forecast that lockdown is going to happen. So my community leader, he is my mentor also, and uh, Mr. Kamran, he uh, brought up this idea to me that uh, Hamid, uh, there will be refugee children, and maybe for more than a year they'll be staying home. So we should start something about their education. So bring up a plan. So I started doing some research, some searches on Google and all that, and. Uh, I came up with the idea. The cheapest way to do is uh, start with uh, an education system, uh, American education system. I liked it for multiple right. reasons, for problem solving and all that. I got their curriculum. I got the books in PDF. Uh, made the whole syllabus, and we start a we started a education system based on K twelve. Wow. Nothing like Oxford or IGCSE. This was K twelve. American system. We started from pre-K classes all the way up to grade ten. Uh, another thing is that a lot of refugees, once they reach the age of, I mean, age of eighteen, they're stuck. Even in USA, they're stuck. If they are high school dropout, they, what they should do? They have a program called General Education Development. It's called GED. It's a American high school uh, equivalent. Right. I searched for it and I found out they had testing centers. Back then, they had two testing centers in Malaysia. We pay about three hundred and twenty dollars, and there are four exams, and people can take it. And the minimum age requirement is eighteen. So we started this school for those uh, kids who, for one thing, that because of COVID, they were home. So we enrolled about seven hundred children. Uh, second thing is, even though after the COVID, there are still a lot of refugees who cannot go to school because Malaysia doesn't allow them to to go to a public school. Right, they're not allowed. Private schooling is too expensive. Mm-hmm. None of our children can afford that. I yeah. cannot. My daughters are staying home. They they not they're not going. Third thing is that 
there are some NGO affiliated schools that they can go, they're cheap, but then the transportation mm. I cannot afford. So my daughters are going to my online school. It's an online school. We use multiple uh, channels like Google Classroom, Zoom meetings, and um, uh, Khan Academy. We use those tools with YouTube and we teach them. And it's been a wonderful uh, experience. I have uh, a lot of students who have done their high school uh, through this program, the American High School. There are some students who are going to a free un American university called uh, uh, University of the People. Right. They're going there and they're earning their graduation. Actually, I myself, I had stopped uh, my education back for some unusual circumstances. So I started earning my bachelor's in health science mm -hmm. and I'm almost done. I have about uh, right now about 30 students who are going to their university. One thing I wanted to mention here is that there is, um, uh, I will say, a mishap just happened recently that they closed down one testing center and right. then there was only one and uh, in Damansara here. They also shut it down. So I have a lot of students who have taken partial tests, like one or two they have passed, and they have nowhere to go now right. because there is no testing center. There are some in Singapore, but refugees cannot go there. Yeah. If they go, they won't be able to come back. Right. So, so that's a whole new set of challenges. Yeah. Thank you. Please. Thank you for bringing that up. But uh, honestly, Hamid, I, I'm listening to you and I'm frankly mind blown. Yeah. Because we are talking about cooking for 3,000 people. <laughs> we are talking yeah. about not just running online classes, it, an entire system. Yeah. Um, you know, you have sort of um, brought the US education system here. You're, yeah. you're having a lot of teachers and a lot of students learning. How do you... How do you do this? Like, how do you even sleep? How are you doing this interview yeah. right now? <laughs> <laughs> That's one thing I cannot sleep. <laughs> because that, it's a responsibility. Yeah. Right. Because I have two daughters, but they're not just two. I have more than uh, right now about, let's say, let's say 200 children. Yeah. They're just like my daughters. Mm. And their future, it hurts me that they don't have. Yeah. They did not have. Uh, God gave me power and strength, and uh, I'm here. I've worked for this school for more than, like, let's say, 36 hours. I would sleep on that seat. Uh, not sleep. I mean, I work. I will eat. Mm. I will take a nap a little bit, and then I'll start <laughs> working. And then my wife was like, you're going to go crazy. I was like, no, God is blessing me yeah. with this. So he's giving me strength, so don't worry. Still struggling. Uh, this is, again, this uh, whole thing about testing center. It has given me a lot of stress. But then I found out some alternative ways how to how to take care of that. Right. So, yeah, God, when, when there is a way, uh, there is a saying that that I created. I never heard from anyone. So it is that when there is a will, there are a lot of ways. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Heidi, um, yeah. coming to the Dari Dapo series, yeah. what exactly is this series about? What are you all yeah. trying to accomplish by it? Yeah. So the Dari Dapo, so Dari Dapo is about celebrating the unique food culture of migrant communities mm -hmm. in Malaysia, highlighting how migration brings so much value to our country. And instead of talking about immigration as a problem that needs to be solved or a threat that needs to be controlled, we want to show how migration makes 
Malaysia a better place. Mm. And so um, throughout Dari Dapur, we've arranged for Malaysian influencers to visit homes of, of people who had migrated to Malaysia, where they share a meal from a home shelf's culture. And over the meal, they exchange stories and learn more about each other and the food, of course. So Dari Dapur campaign is really produced in partnership with the United Nations Human Rights Office on Migration, who had commissioned a study on public attitudes towards migrants in Malaysia. Right. Interestingly enough, the goal of the study was to understand where there was room to build greater empathy for migrants and it was found that Malaysians are actually very open to the idea of migration. It's found that Malaysians value respect, tolerance, hospitality and diversity and they, we also value hard work and support the idea that anyone can contribute to the country in different ways. What yeah. do people expect when they watch it? Um, are we talking about like like short videos where you know you see influencers and and uh, refugees, for example, yeah. cooking together? How yeah. how does it work? First of all, they can expect to get really hungry. <laughs> Man, that's true. Like throughout the campaign, I was there for basically every shoot, right? And being part of the crew, we were the last to eat, <laughs> and it was always a struggle just breathing in the aroma and watching, you know, the chefs and the influencers eat first. Um, I and, can only imagine. Yeah, and even, you know, in, in post-shoots, like post right. editing the videos, um, it's always re-looking at the photos and go like, whoa, that was so good. <laughs> I'm really, really hungry. So, yeah, they can expect to get hungry. Um, and, and on our channels, you know, there is, there's lots of great food um, options. Um, mm. People can learn recipes. People can learn about the culture. People can learn how to prepare meals. So, you know, if you're feeling um, pretty creative over a weekend, you can feel free to hop onto our Instagram at daridapo.my and actually learn a new recipe. How, to, how do you make mohinga from, from the chin state? How do you make biryani? You know, there's so many different dishes to explore. Um, there's so many different cultures to learn as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of all, you know, from the campaign, the people can really expect beyond good food, um, conversations between Malaysians and their migrant or refugee host. And some of the conversations become really personal and touching. Um, and it shows that, like Chef once said in one of his episodes with Hamid, that food brings people together. And, and there's always a running joke, right, in Malaysia that we only eat one meal a day. We start in the morning and we end at night. Yeah. <laughs> so no three yes, meals absolutely. a day, it's just one meal yes, a day. Yes, really. Know, that really is, uh, sums up the Malaysian yeah. mindset when it comes to yeah. food. Um, who, who's featured in this? Because you brought up yeah, influencers. Um, who, yeah. who are all the, the So we are featuring six people who have migrated um, as hosts. Uh, mm-hmm. They can be either refugees or migrants, where they serve authentic food from their own cultures, um, you know, to a bunch of Malaysian personalities, including Chef One. Uh, Hamid actually cooked for Chef One, right? And I remember being there at a shoot and thinking that, like, I don't know if I would have courage <laughs> to actually cook for Chef One, but Chef One loved the meal. So, including Chef One, Lisa Surihani, Nur Iza, the rapper Bunga, comedian Kevin J, food Instagrammer LV, Yasmin Nadia, and radio DJ Christina Ng. All right. Um, I mean, um, she brought up Chef One. That's yeah. your episode with Chef One. Yeah. You, you know, Chef One is, is for many, many, many years, ever since I was a kid, you know, he's the celebrity chef of Malaysia. What was their experience <laughs> like, uh, you know, cooking uh, with and, and for Chef One? Language barrier because of that and not being... Uh, belonging to this country, I didn't even know first who it is. Right. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Remove the pressure. Yes. So I started looking and then I found out an episode of uh, Chef Juan with uh, Uncle John. Uh, 
Uncle John. Uncle, Uncle Roger. Uncle Roger. Uncle Roger. Uncle Roger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My kids love him. I love him. And I saw Uncle Roger's uh, uh, one episode with Chef Vaughn. And I was like, okay, so, well, he should be somebody because he, Chef Vaughn, must be some person because he's with Mr. <laughs> Uncle Roger. <laughs> <laughs> Still, I think that uh, Uncle Roger is here. Amazing. So what happens next? That my wife tells me, okay, we should buy some 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 new parts and dishes because some the people will be coming. So mm-hmm. let's go to Aeon. So we go to Aeon Bukitingi, and in Aeon we will see like big flexes with Chef Wan's pictures. <laughs> Then I'm like, oh, he's Chef Juan. <laughs> so then then I, people will know that Uncle Roger. <laughs> so then yes. I studied about him and I saw his followers and I, I realized it just enlightened me <laughs> <laughs> that who is coming to my house. <laughs> so I was a bit yeah. nervous. But mm-hmm. then because of the whole initial uh, naiveness, you will mm-hmm. say, mm-hmm. it has not... Uh, chal- it was not a big challenge, so yeah. I was okay. So what can people uh, expect when they watch your episode with Chef Wan? I explaining to him mm. what it is, and it was my signature dish, the chicken korma, and uh, explaining to him, and then they can also, they will expect how uh, he appreciated the taste. Uh, I remember his uh, words were like he has eaten korma in Turkey and I think in Iran and Pakistan but never had and he cooks himself but never had a korma Hamid you're making me jealous exactly (laughs) I'm not being there and just in so much awe when Chef Wan said that to the point he even said like you know Hamid you need to come back to my restaurant and train my chefs how to make this chicken korma it was good I had it it was really good now I have to try it Hamid I have to (laughs) you're welcome anytime (laughs) fantastic Um, 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 I want to get both your your takes on this right Um, uh, you know starting from you uh, Heidi you this is Dari Dapo Um, it it, it ultimately aims to bridge um, people together, right? Malaysians and, and migrants. Why food? Um, what is it about food that you think is a good medium to help connect cultures? I think so much can be learned about a culture through food, right? I think even through the way food is served, we get to understand whether, you know, is this a communal culture or is this a culture where people usually eat individually? Mm. Um, and in Malaysia, when you think about it, Malaysia is one of the few countries where you can basically get access to food 24-7. Mm-hmm. And so people, Malaysians typically born, we would, we joke about how, you know, our favorite sport is makan, <laughs> right? Where we eat throughout Absolutely. the day. We eat and every time we catch up and connect with someone, we end up having meals as well. Mm-hmm. And through the meals and through the dishes, the spices, the ingredients used, we learn so much more about culture. Um, you know, certain, certain dishes, certain cultures use um, lots of um, herbs Right, that's grown up on the mountains. And that's when we learned that probably the Chin community, they say high up on the mountains and, and only such herbs are available there. Mm-hmm. You know? So I think you know, food is such a powerful way to, to even start conversations on culture and what community means to each of these different cultures. Yeah. Yeah. Hamid, what do you think? My feeling about food is mm-hmm. that food is something everyone eats. Mm-hmm. It's a universal thing. And uh, that can bring anyone, anyone close because you know how even we say something, come and eat with me. 
Jews say, come break bread with me. Right. It's a common saying. And here I heard something. I loved it. But there is a joke about it I always <laughs> make. I'll tell you. Uh, people ask uh, Surah Makan. Yes. Right? <laughs> uh, I was here and I was doing uh, a job uh, as security place. And mm -hmm. uh, every day there are like 20 people come to me, Surah Makan, Surah Makan. And <laughs> one, day, one day there was this Indian guy, uh, same as your age. Mm -hmm. And I was like, hey, please come here. He come and is like, I didn't Suramakan. I didn't know. I don't know language. Yeah. I was like, I did not know Suramakan. So now, are you going to buy me food? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he started laughing. I was like, if you're not going to buy me food, why is <laughs> <laughs> So good. Oh, my God. Yeah, perfect. It's perfect. our way of saying, how are you? How, right? yes. Have you eaten? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think so, that's absolutely off point. Yeah. <laughs> but I know this is culture. And, right. Yeah. And... Uh, uh, this is just a joke, mm -hmm. and jokes apart, this is a universal thing, and this yeah. brings brings us together. Yeah. Food, I think, no one can say no to food. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and when you look at our big like festivals or celebrations, right? A lot of times, uh, you know, we spend just hours and hours in the kitchen prepping food together, mm -hmm. right? So we think about food often beyond culture. It's really such a bonding experience. Um, don't you feel? Have you have you ever experienced this? I mean, I know I've experienced this when you know we worked on the Jared Apple campaign. Um, each time we tried a new dish, it can be quite an emotional experience. Right. Yeah, absolutely. when you eat something, you go like, "Whoa, so good!" And for the longest time, right, you bought over how good food is. Yeah, it's, it sometimes yeah. feels like you're traveling to yeah, another exactly. place as well. Yeah, So I, I'm very excited to to catch the, you know, your episode with Chef Juan as well as, you know, all the other episodes yeah. in this series. Heidi, where can people watch these episodes and yeah. when are they coming out? Yeah, so people can watch these episodes across our social media channels, uh, primarily on Instagram. You can look for in our Instagram page, Dari Dapur. MY mm. so Dairapo my um and on on inst on Instagram on Facebook on TikTok on Twitter you can find us on the same channels Dairapo Malaysia right. MY um in fact you know as we as as we are, um getting this interview in Hamid's episode actually airs on the 10th oh that's of, very soon um, yeah on a Friday wow. 10th of February so you know if you're curious to to learn more about the Daridapo campaign if you're curious to um, come on this culinary journey with us check out our Instagram handles Hamid um, you have your own Instagram page as well where you cater right <laughs> yes I do <laughs> yes you can follow me on h underscore w a E E N that is W A W E N as in Nancy. Fantastic. So that's on Instagram. Yeah. Um, before we wrap this conversation up, guys, um, would y'all have a final message for us? Um, starting with you, Heidi. I guess I would like to first remember that migration is for everyone, um, and that there's always various reasons why people migrate. Um, what I love about Malaysia is that we're such a generous and kind country. Um, and my hope is for Malaysians to continue looking at refugees and migrants as fellow human beings as well. Yeah, so, you know, in terms of closing message, come check out the Daridapo campaign, check out our social media channels, join us on this culinary experience. And when we finally put out an invitation for Malaysians to, for Malaysians to join us um, for a meal in person, sign up, you know, because we'd love to meet you there. Yeah, I uh, would like to say is that uh, just like Chef Juan on his, uh, uh, in his interview uh, said that uh, food is something that everyone eats. 
for example korma they, they it maybe the name is bit different it's korma here and korma uh, malaysians eat korma we eat korma we all do and uh, this is something that is made with love food is made with love so everyone has love and love is something that is uh, i would say an inst a human instinct and we the refugees are humans so we want to be treated equally thank you fantastic yeah. and on that note heidi hamid thank you so much for joining me today thank, thank you for having us That was Hamid, a Pakistani home cook and a refugee who has been living in Malaysia, as well as Heidi Kwa, founder of Refuge for the Refugees. If you missed any part of our conversation, you can also check us out on podcasts. We're available on the BFM app, bfm.my, or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Dashan Johan, and this has been Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.